Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relics of Ore. I am not your host, Grybok. I'm just here to give you a brief disclaimer that we had some technical issues with this episode. We did our best to clean them up, but unfortunately it is just beyond what is worth repairing at this point, unfortunately, because Audacity ate some of my edits and I am very displeased. So it's a little bit rough. There's a few portions where we're talking over each other. It's not a whole lot. I know it might be annoying to some people, but uh, we didn't want to scrap the episode and it wasn't worth fixing. So it is what it is. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you don't, everything will be fixed next time and it'll all be fine. So thank you for bearing with us and have a wonderful day. It's okay, because I'm editing it, so I get to put all of the dumb stuff we say at the beginning. Yeah! So, it's just going to be 16 minutes of Shongaku talking. Yeah, and like, me just, uh, like, the sounds of tinfoil being assembled to protect oh, myself yeah, from I, you. I do need to get that. Oh my goodness, this is, it will be fun. Hello, and welcome to episode 196 of Relics of, Relics of Ore. Wow, I can't even say that right this time i'm your host grybok and joining me this evening are my wonderful co-hosts spirit and shongaku how are you doing this evening shongaku i'm doing pretty good i'm conscious i have tea and i am ready to roll that is a pretty low bar to set for being good but uh i guess by that definition i'm pretty good too how are you doing this evening spirit i i am also pretty good by the criteria that eric has laid out you all have tea I mean, I have tea in my house. I have caffeine. That works. That works. Uh, anyway, so yeah, last episode we were going to try and talk about all this story stuff, and then we ended up talking about raids for the literal entire time. So this time, for realsies, we have a uh, living story spoilers bouncer at the beginning, although we sort of talked about spoilers a little bit last episode, but... If you don't want to hear about living story spoilers, I promise we are talking about them this time. So you have been thusly warned. So, uh, Eric, you want to you want to start off with a story? Like, uh, you have anything that you wanted to stands out that you want to talk about? I really enjoyed pretty much the entire story from where you started with. Uh, interacting with the queen, going to Divinity's Reach, having the attack on Divinity's Reach occur, the crazy mesmer shield that uh, that that the queen puts up, that Jenna throws up, uh, and just it, all of the things that happened there was was a lot of fun, and I think there was a lot of for me a lot of fun to sort of pay off in story moments. Uh, Logan's character development starting to move forward. Hearing his voice again, uh, it sounds like they got the same voice actor back, I think. Uh, so he apparently didn't take too many, too much damage to his vocal cords at the end of the Heart of Thorns. And it was, it was also fun to then, to then go into the map, uh, and into the new map, see everything there. And there was just a ton of stuff, a lot of payoff in this episode. Logan's moving forward. Uh, I, one of the things that struck me, early on in the episode was after you get through the assault on Divinity's Reach and you are first entering into Lake Doric and you go up to Logan. He is standing there with a char who brought her warband over to help defend Divinity's Reach. And that kind of struck me because 
because I'm RPing as a character from the first war, from from Guild Wars One, my my head canon is that my character somehow survived. He doesn't particularly like Char for obvious reasons, and it was kind of interesting just from that perspective. Been a fair amount of unification, even if not everybody's super happy, but it's it's definitely nice to see some of those touches because. Uh, if you if you go to the low level zones, they are they're frozen in time, right? So yeah. the internet decided that unless new events happen in those zones, they're sort of time locked in the order that you would theoretically experience them in the living story or in the sorry in the the regular story. Um, which incidentally you can tell because if you go to Queensdale, there is no force field around Divinity's Reach. Um, you know it's the uh, you're you're fresh out of fresh out of boot camp protecting it from centaurs but yeah i i mean i think that's good i think it's i'm gonna be interested to hear what all the payoffs uh you felt that there were because i i feel like i've sort of forgotten so much of the human storyline of what's going on and it's felt so much further removed i guess that i didn't feel like there was a lot of payoff or i felt like it was for just for personal just like personally i kind of was like oh yeah i kind of i kind of remember that was going on like uh i i don't yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to, to talk about that some with you guys uh spirit how about you do you have anything you wanted to lead off with one thing that i thought was really cool was uh the moment where uh minister estelle is, is revealed to be a traitor uh, she's blocking the way back to the throne room, and she's flanked by some of her allies. And uh, Queen Jenna effectively just points at one and goes, "You're gonna die." Pew, kills one. You're gonna die. Pew, you're gonna die. Pew, kills the third one, and then she points at the fourth one. She says, uh, "Are you? You know, do you want to die too?" And he he flips out and runs. It was a really cool way of not only like the poor the um. The feedback bubble over Divinity's reach is huge, right? That's one way of showing how powerful she is as a mesmer. But for me, it was that moment when she used Mantra of Pain. And then somebody uh, had pointed out to me later, Mantra of Pain, uh, at its maximum capacity when traded, has three charges. So she effectively used those three charges and then bluffed to get the fourth guy out of there, which I thought was really cool. (laughs) That's awesome. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. So I, I just really liked that. Mo- that was the moment where I was like, yeah, I'm on board with Queen Jenna. I like your character. That's a very cool just moment for her. It was, it was, did either of you play it with a female Silvari? No. Yeah, it was kind of weird because it was just Jennifer Hale talking to Jennifer <laughs> yeah, Hale. I can imagine that being <laughs> weird. It was, it was kind of funny, but uh, also, also like the moment when she's, she, you're like walking through the garden. All of the all of the conversation seems a little bit funny if you're if you're saying it to a Silvari. It's like, oh yes, managing gardens is a lot of work. And you're like, uh huh, yep. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you missed a weed over there. And she's like, oh no. I mean, it's the same dialogue. I've run it through on a second character, but it just it sounds sort of extra funny when you're talking about the uh, merits and difficulties of maintaining a garden and like a pretty garden to a Silvari, which is. Uh, having recently just been back to the Grove, that place is uh, gorgeous. So yeah, anyway, I, I, that part was sort of more like a personal humor rather than necessarily intentionally written that way. But uh, I was definitely chuckling to myself a little bit during that. Love it. But um, I liked a lot of the dialogue, or like 
the quantity of dialogue in that instance and the amount of dialogue that you actually had to sit through versus the amount that you could ferret out if you wanted to, I think was fantastic. Um, there were a lot of possible conversations to have with people and options within them as well. It's been a long, uh, uh, I can't say exactly when the last time we saw like the, um, some of you who have played for a long time will remember back in the day we had the, uh, personality system and <laughs> yeah. i noticed in in here it's resurfaced somewhat in that uh christian and i were in the same instance both with lady norn characters we were, we were buff norn lady bodyguards it was fantastic uh we were talking to people and one option he had was he talked to someone and he had the diplomatic or the charming options and I had the fierce or the diplomatic option. So something is still there, uh, even though that personality system is hidden, where my character had different options to his character uh, for those yeah, dialogues, I think, which is cool. Yeah, the, the system is actually still fully in the, in the game. They, the numbers are still tied to your characters. It's just not visible anymore, which I think is interesting. It's never used. Right, because they never used it now it seems like they i really hope they bring it back because i i didn't realize that because i've only run the the story instance once and i've always played my character the dignified so the fact that i got the dignity answers just made sense i'm not even sure if i got multiple options because shongaku is like 100 percent dignity as far as how he has responded to people i think i had i think i had dignity and charm on my main character which is basically the combo i use yeah it's it's a shame that that system sort of never really materialized in anything, mm -hmm. but it I do I do think that it's a good way to sort of repurpose or I mean not really repurpose but just use a system that's there even if it doesn't really you know it doesn't really do anything it's it's a nice bit of flavor I always think that those little one off lines are do a lot to sort of build character and flavor uh, especially when they're related to your profession or your race or things like that which i know that there's at least one or two of in this living story which we'll talk about a little bit later um yeah i i like the first mission it was it was uh like you said it had a good mix of of being able to do you had to do some talking but there was plenty extra there for you to do if you if you wanted to learn more um yeah the pacing was yeah, really it was, it was solid cool. for that for that instance it uh definitely slowed down though in the second part didn't it I, or at least it felt like that for me with the, the second, no, part, of second the part of the story after after the instance happened uh and you get into lake doric which i guess is how it's supposed to be isn't it yeah it was it was definitely i felt that so I, some of this is my own fault because i sort of knew this was obviously going to happen but i as soon as i got there i sort of wanted to just go explore around and so i pretty much uncovered a bunch of the map and like did a few of the hearts and then i basically got into the story and it was like hey so if you could uh go around and basically visit all the hearts and you know do some work that basically all the heart completion would do for you so i basically just double or tripled down on my effort uh which i mean like i said it's my own fault i'm not really mad about it but it was uh it it made it feel especially long that first time for sure um, yeah, I've always, I mean, yeah, it, in the in the past episodes, I've always said something like, yeah, the rest is great, but I really am over that tour that we just have to take around the zone to each of the hearts. And I felt like um, 
they did it pretty reasonably in this one where you sort of just have to visit each region and talk to someone there and be like, yeah, this is what's going on in this region. Get a get a report of it rather than I mean, you did have to do some work, but compared to uh, like Ember Bay, I think where you pretty much did the whole heart before you could move on. I thought it was far more tasteful. Yeah, I agree. Although I would say that in the part after you have to go visit all of the hearts, you have to basically, quote, do stuff in the zone to to uh, progress. Like there's a meter, mm-hmm. right, that you that you fill up just for sort of doing things. And I do wish that they put a little bit more, maybe not emphasis, but at least a little bit more value on doing non-combat things because it went excruciatingly slow if you were basically doing the heart content in any way other than fighting a crap load of, of dudes um which is like it's not that big of a deal because i sort of as soon as i figured that out i just went and found one of the events that spawned um basically endless waves mm-hmm. of white mantle dudes and then just like hammered it out pretty quick but i did feel like it was pretty slow if you were sort of just quote playing normally instead of chasing some big events but that's not that's not that big of a deal but i i did like the um i i did like as you said that it it got through the whirlwind tour faster. You know, you just sort of go and get reports mm-hmm. from people. So, yeah. Um, were there any hearts that stood out to either of you that you especially liked, especially didn't like, felt fast, felt slow? Mechanically, um, the hearts are pretty pretty standard. Uh, I guess kind of like the, the, ex- the one in the center where you're actually looking at the... You're, you're sort of taking care of that one town that used to be like a party town for the rich people. And they've got and going around collecting stuff uh, there and sort of killing Merc- uh, killing Mersat, killing White Mantle made it a pretty fast heart. Uh, so I thought that one was interesting. The sneaking one, I actually just kind of stopped sneaking and switched into Necro Reaper and was like, well, I guess I'm just going to kill everything in this zone. And and that is how I <laughs> how I cleared that heart. That was not optimal it's what we do well actually no it's optimal if you're necro with epidemic it it'll wreck i actually really like the stealth heart i i actually did it full stealth i never i never broke out of it i thought that was sort of it was just sort of more interesting to do it that way what i did is uh once i broke once i messed up and broke stealth i was just like you know what whenever i saw like a person doing something really like where they were being a bit risky, I just run over and like aggro everything in the area and then run to the other side of the map. And I basically just let people do whatever they wanted because no one was looking because they were all fighting me. And I thought, I was like, I'm helping. I'm, I'm the you, distraction. Did you guys notice? I mean, there, there was the standard rescue, prisoner, poison food. Um, and then there's like, oh, like interrupt plans or like destroy plans or something, right? Did you yeah, find any the of the things yeah. that were sort of non-standard? Well, the story As had in... you complete a few, didn't it? Where you had to sneak in and you had to like dump water on the dump water on the on the his forge was oh, one was of that them. Part of the... I don't know. Yeah, I that just... was part of the story. I thought. Oh yeah. Um, I basically the forge. I for some reason I must have done it later. Uh, the first time I went through there, I was doing the forge, and I swear I got caught, and the guy was like, my forge, or whatever, and I got I got busted, because I wasn't careful enough. The second time I was in there, I was just trying to complete the heart for map completion or whatever, just trying to get through it as fast as possible, and I needed one more thing, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw this bucket on the forge in full view of this guy. <laughs> get hacked, guy. 
And so I just went in there and threw it on it. He totally ignored me the second time. Just like, well, guess that happened. Damn adventurers always knocking buckets into my forge. Yeah, I did not. Uh, Fun fact, I believe that the NPC for that heart is actually named after um, somebody at the company that, that works there. I would I would guess that mostly based on the spelling of the name, but uh, she's she's a cool person, so that was sort of funny to see that. There's actually a couple NPCs named nice. after employees in this one, or themed after that is, um, like the Lumberjack ah, Dara. Ah. Oh, I love that character so much. Yeah, are uh, named named after Loremaster K, aka Dara, um, is is uh, quite fond of using a huge number of. Uh, some would say terrible, I would say amazing puns in, in everyday conversation. So uh, the entire dialogue of that is fairly and representative, never sp- I would say. spoken to her in person, uh, just go find her on Reddit, Master K. And, oh my goodness, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Um, let's see. Uh, I liked my, my nomination for Best Heart in that zone is the one up in... Noran's Woods. I forget what the the zone is called, but uh, the heart is about yeah, helping out a fellow named Noran. Um, yeah, around Harvest Cascades. Yeah, which I, I first of all, I love the Harvest Cascades. It reminded me of Eye of the North, Charlands in like all the good ways possible. This just that that beautiful forest that reminds me a of home back in wisconsin but also just uh fond memories of the first game so that was really cool um i just love that that type of environment and it was a very pretty area and then like noran himself is kind of an interesting character and i I don't often get very into uh whatever is going on in the open world the hard npcs or whatever but i paid attention to him because he had a number of things going on around him that were sort of interesting enough that I got enough of his story and I cared. Um, he had come out of Divinity's Reach. He had moved himself out of Divinity's Reach uh, during the time of Zaitan to protect his family and set up this uh, outpost out there with his family and eventually lost them. I can't remember how, whether it was to the White Mantle or the, I think it was maybe the Centaurs, but I can't remember. Um, so there actually, you can find their graves um, out behind his property and he's just sort of become a loner out there and... Uh, I don't know, I just found him pretty cool. He's also, uh, he mentions that he's a descendant of Aiden from Guild Wars 1, uh, if you know who that is. That so, nice. would explain all the traps underneath his house. He's like, hey, my da- <laughs> my great-great-great-grandpappy was an assassin. I'm gonna go and... No, Aiden was the ranger. Yes. Wasn't he? Yeah. My great-grandpappy yeah. was a ranger. He did traps. I'm gonna build a giant <laughs> trapped facility underneath my house. Go my family's not taking up my time. And it- my great grandpappy carried around a stack of marks of Aiden to was, were troll those people the with cobwebs. Uh, they were just like the yeah. stones that were on the way to through the shiver mm-hmm. peaks that you followed through the caverns, but you could pick them up for some reason. <laughs> did you try and like sell them to people, or did you just like drop them on the ground? No, I just sometimes like drop them or trade <laughs> them to people for. No reason. Old timey Fend used to trade us uh, pieces of rancid meat or something. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, I I know that I've said it on the podcast a few times, but we used to do trivia shows, and our prizes were always jokes in some in some way or another. Like 
we'd give people quote green items as rewards, which were items that had been dyed green. <laughs> um, nice. And anyway, uh, that anyway that's a great that's a great lore callback. Yeah. What did you guys think of his uh, of the dungeon underneath his house? I. I like it now. It took me a little bit to come around to it because it is a winding, hellish pit of traps. And in the first, the first area, um, you you come in one side of the room on an incline, and then you sort of go around to the back and double back to the front, like you do a horseshoe, pretty much. And I got back to the front and saw the drop down, and I was like. Oh no, that's the start. I can't drop down. I went in a giant circle, and so I spent like literally almost an hour in this room going going back and forth, trying jumping on pillars and uh not finding my way out. And finally I was like looking with despair down this hole and I'm like, fine, I'll just do it. And I jumped down and it was the way to go. So I'm a knucklehead. And now that I've been back there a couple times, I don't mind it. I think it's a pretty cool place, but I got a I, little bit lost. I did the same thing at that spot. I didn't, it didn't take me an hour. I eventually just gave up. It took me like, because Shongaku is just, yeah, because I'm ADD. Uh, I was, I spent about 30 seconds trying alternate routes, decided that these are not jumping puzzles that I'm interested in, and I just jumped down the <laughs> hole. And it turned out it worked. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> Fortuitous. See, I, it's funny because I think that I... I don't even so, think I saw this dungeon. Once you complete Norin's Heart uh, at the Harvest Cascades, one of the mm -hmm. options... Is, one of the things you can do is buy a key from him. You get one key. It doesn't cost... Per day, it doesn't cost any karma or anything. It's just a free key. You grab the key. You go down into his basement inside of his house, and there is a bunch of barrels... And you'd walk up to them, interact with them, and if you have the key, you go through the barrels. And then you descend down into this place. It's full of traps. It's also full of other barrels where I, he's like a he's like a super prepper where not only does he have his his place full of, of food and things, but he also has like traps so that no one else can get to him. So you get past all the traps. You get down... Uh, past uh there's a gliding section there is, which is a, like a gliding jumping puzzle which is a lot of fun you go across a bridge with swinging logs that you have to avoid which is pretty cool and then you fight a giant or a spider or an ooze i think it's a spider and you get some oil out of a chest and then you keep on going past a whole bunch of falling rocks and you combine the oil with the key and you get his special key and then you unlock his his special the special chest that he keeps hidden in his basement and you get stuff and then you hop into a mesmer portal which I don't know why that's there and it teleports you up on top of his base which is pretty cool it's a fun it's a fun little dungeon thing cool yeah i'll have to check that out i i love that there's hidden stuff with that or well i don't know i don't know if you'd call yeah. it hidden but it could be easily uh, missed it is, obviously it is worth doing and repeating also because it drops like five or six jade shards at the end so once you know what you're doing it's a pretty quick uh jaunt down there for quite a bit of a reward i mean really this calls this is yet another thing that calls back to older design from guild wars 2 uh, because we have these mini dungeons around the world in the original content and we basically haven't ever had any more which i always thought those were kind of cool little kind of cool little things to have in the world yeah they were really nice i i'm really liking their so 
their design direction with this living world. Like this is this is kind of I think what I was hoping original living world would be like when we when we got it season one and season two. Uh, just because you have they're they're giving us new zones, new areas. They're giving us a lot of interesting little mini vignettes that sort of build on the world and tell us more about it. It also sort of feels like what we're getting right now is sort of the their intent with Heart of Thorns was, hey, we're not launching with a large number of zones, but by the time we are done with this specific expansion cycle, you're going to have a pretty significant addition to the world. And the next expansion cycle, you get a small starting area and then builds out over the next Living World season is what I'm, is what I'm mm-hmm. hoping. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been interesting to watch the perception of Hot um, through its lifespan, where um, you know, sort of towards the beginning, people were like, "Oh, it's not it's it's four maps, it's trash, don't get it." Blah blah blah. And now, pretty much universally, people are like, "Yeah, actually, it was a really good expansion. It just took a while for it to get there." Um, it's like, <laughs> well, it also took a three month balance enough, patch to make I a think... lot of things better, but. Yeah, Reapers yeah. never. But to their credit, balancing. they did it. They you know? need to return them to what they were. Off. <laughs> God, how, how are we now? Oh, yeah. Don't remind me. Um, I, I'd almost well, put it out of my mind. Reapers are still nerfed. really good, even of... after the nerf. Like they're hey, still pretty solid. Hey, you guys got solid. buffed uh, power yeah. and Condi today. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been rocking my theoretically suboptimal, but also great for open world PVE. I need to start working on my Valkyries set fun. for Shongaku. I just, uh, well, we'll talk about my new Valkyries sword that I got today. I'm very excited about working on that. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of the Heart of Thorns zones, I mean, the some of the new subquest stuff that we'll probably talk about this episode or next has, has me going back into some of these maps that I haven't really played in for a while, and these maps really are really big, and they're really gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these maps the, are really yeah. good. The the Heart of Thorns, the original four, are just, yeah. those are some fantastic maps. I was a little bit concerned with, uh, yeah. well, we'll talk about it during the, during that, when we start talking about that new event. I just wanted to, back to, back to the hearts, uh, this, back to the hearts for this segment or section or whatever, I, I actually really loved that they put in some of the Queensdale activities for one of the hearts, the one that's right by Logan, where you're training the soldiers, um, like some of the activities you can do for that are straight out of a Queensdale heart where you train them how to hit how to hit a guard or how to how to use a block skill. Um I just thought that was really fun and also I love it because the the block skill one is super easy and it gives you a, a huge chunk towards the completion of that heart. So I I I liked that because it's I mean it's right next door, right? It's geographically right next to that zone and you know, you'd be you would be training the recruits for the same reason. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me, but I I like that touch. What do you guys What do you guys think about the uh, the leather farm that they added in? Uh, so many boy, that's a lot of centaurs. Um, oh, I well for me, I was just gonna say I don't I haven't actually kept up on what it is because I'm just like totally not interested in leather farming right now. But it, is it basically just that you run around in circles killing a crapload of centaur and then they just happen to drop a lot of things that salvage into yeah, leather? Yeah. Um... The disappointing part the of it is of it? that it hasn't actually moved to the hardened leather market at all. Um, either not enough people are doing it that it is making any impact, or this, the drop rate on uh, hardened leather off of these things is pretty low, and so it doesn't. It's not going to translate to a big impact. Really, what it does drop 
um, in in spades and spades and spades is T5 leather. And I think they expected that people would convert it to T6 leather. And so it'll be like a slow burn. Um, the price will eventually come down. But uh, I haven't seen a lot of people farming it. I, I organized one map in the first week. And I think I have seen two other maps farming it since then. But for whatever reason, people just haven't haven't gone after it. I think part of it is is it's not super it's not super pick up and drop like it's it's not a scalable event that you can just churn over and over again. And so because it requires you to go in pretty much with a group of people, I think that is possibly unlike say because you have to go in with a group of people, I think that's sort of holding it back because how many people want to organize like an hour long farm with people that they know because if you don't have like five people minimum those snipers are just going to tear you apart and you're just going to drop and i think that might be part of it also those stupid things that that run around trampling yeah i would say on some classes definitely wreck those guys i mean there's ways to cope with it but like a single player can't just start farming and then another player show up and is like oh hey you're you're running in a circle doing this how about i join you and then, because it doesn't necessarily scale uh, uh, well with a small number of players, and it sort of requires you to have a minimum number, I think that's part of why it's not currently impacting the leather farm or the leather prices in general. Just because of because of that. Because when I when I went in there initially and tried to run around, like you can't even just run around in that area. You just get one shot or two shot by things, and that's even on my necro. Like I was. I could make it up a third of the way up the hill with the snipers that exist, the centaur snipers, before they would tear through my full death shroud, they would put me on the ground, and I would be done. Uh, so I think that might be that might be some of it, is the fact that it's just really, it's a rough farm right now. Maybe they just don't want us to have leather. Maybe they're really concerned about the leather, and they're like, no, leather is hard to get, and you're basically just ripping off strips of flesh off of these centaur, and you should feel bad. We should see so we're gonna make you work nice. for it. Yeah, so my the, economy. for a section of hardened leather, this is the unrefined stuff that refines into the materials that you use for crafting armor and what, whatnot. Before the patch, when they announced the leather farm, it dipped to 18 silver. Within a few days after the patch, it rose to 20 silver. And right now, today, it is 29 silver. Yeah, and staying pretty steady. Which is actually higher Jesus. than what it had been for... Well, that's for a week. Let me go back one month all. Which, it's actually higher than it had been for... Quite a while. Which, uh, in fairness, I don't was. know. There there were some new items added today, and I don't know if it's used in that. So it's entirely possible that it's just like a, a blip today. But, uh, yeah, it is now I think that they quite use high any alone in, There's no alone in sections being used. Although they're in the new, the new items, as far as I know. Hmm. So I yeah. think that they just have. I I don't know what they why they don't want people to have leather. Maybe they just you know leather is murder. I think they're just uh, I think they're just scared of like nuking stuff again. People people like genuinely part of the reason they they don't want to make these changes and they would they've said on the forums is basically you guys freak the ever living f out when we do stuff like this and. Things go from uh, merchant price to way up and then back to merchant price. And so 
anyone who knows that, anyone who's been around through the, through those times, just holds on to everything in case that happens again. Um, and we sort of don't... Uh... Well, like, I think that's actually... And I think what's interesting for me is I am not selling hardened leather section because I know I'm going to use it to craft at some point. So I'm not putting my hardened leather sections on the market, even though the prices are crazy high right now, because I'm just assuming that, as you can see from the Guild Wars 2 Spidey trend, that it's just going to keep going up. And eventually, someday, I'm going to need that stuff, and I'm not going to be able to afford to buy it off the market. Like, it's it's just so crazy expensive. And so I think that's that's part of why people are hoarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's a huge it's a huge part of it because the thing is that this game, like you would expect, has inflation, and that's fine. That's a natural part of MMOs. But because these materials are, you know, you, the the influx is not particularly going up with the rate at which you acquire them, and you and part of this is because there is no vertical gear progression once you get to ascended. Is those 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 materials are always valuable. They're never going to get sort of shrunk down as you get a new tier of gear to consume it. And so if you know anything really at all about keeping, you know, keeping your wealth, you should be invested in in materials that are going to retain their value and increase in price because, you know, either either you'll use them or everybody you're, else yeah, will keep using them and it'll inc- keep up with inflation The gold better. that you have so, is not going to change as inflation happens but all of your materials will i mean which is why why you need something that's inflation proof exactly yeah but anyway yeah. that's that's a whole economics rant about uh or yeah. discussion so we should we just move on so to the next to part of the about. story then uh uh sure real quick though with regard to that area if you do need to get the point of interest and such at the top of that it is much easier to um there there's I don't remember exactly where it is, except that I just did it my first time on accident without realizing it. But there's a way to get um, to the west slash a little bit north of it. You can climb up really high and you can basically glide down to that area. And so you can you can get those without having to run up the gauntlet of death uh, just by sort of dropping onto them, which I would highly encourage if you're having trouble getting them and you want to. But... Uh, yeah, that's that's how I found the area my first time, and I was like, whoa, that is, boy, that's a lot of centaurs down there as I was flying around. I'm like, well, I'm going to go grab that point of interest and then fly away. Yep. So you can do that. It is worth doing. So after we ran around and did all the exploring in the new zone, uh, which I think we all like, you guys have seen the Melandres area. That one, was, that place was awesome. Mm-hmm. Melandres, um... After that, did we go straight into the, uh, after completing everything, we went straight into going after Codicus, didn't we? Yeah, there were only, there like, sort of two big story instances. Actually, that's not true. We went back to, uh, Divinity's Reach to report to the Queen, um, and I think it was, yeah. Yeah, that's um, had to get introduced because, to the characters, right? Because she, uh, or, yeah. Okay, please continue. I just assumed you were going to talk about it. Uh, so yeah, we go back to report to the Queen, and sort of uh, have a few things resolved. We meet Demi Beetlestone, who we haven't seen in a long time, who's been called back Demi! to contribute to our efforts pushing against her father. Um, and that was really cool. 
I was super excited to see Demi. I am, yeah. Where did we see her the first time? Because this is one of those things where I'm like, who is this again? Order of Whispers storyline and the personal story. Yeah, when you, uh, when you, you and Tybalt are sent to extract her because she's got inf- information on what Codicus has been up to. And of course, our good friend, uh, Real Darkwater drops a ball on like figuring out what Codicus is up to apparently. And is just like, hey, Demi, you're good at engineering. Go build us weapons. And she's like, oh, okay, I can do that. Gotcha. So she shows up a few more times, uh, throughout the personal story. Uh, I think she showed up once before in the living story during the, uh, I think she was present at an Order of Whispers event during the invasion of uh, Lion's Arch. I think she was part of the Order of Whispers group. Like, you could talk to her and she would have stuff to say about that. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's been a long time since we've seen her, though. She's uh, yeah. definitely not been active. Uh, incidentally, the person who took her in when we went to the Order of Whispers for the first time when we uh, got her to them was Lady Wee. Uh, Valette Wee's mother. So there's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and we're not going to be able to get to all of it. Uh, yeah. Interconnections and, you saw Valette... and political intrigue in the human, uh, the human realm. Yeah, a lot. Like if you did a lot of the like the human noble story and a few other things, there were a lot of like, hey guys, these are the these are the outcomes of your story back back then. Like you can actually see them resolving or answering questions that were raised in the human personal stories, which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get, I think they hit all of the second tier human personal stories with the, with the Codicus dungeon. Yeah. In in the letters are either they are, they are to or from someone who has appeared in a personal story, virtually all of them. Yeah, you even get the you even get the circus performers. Gotcha. The, yeah, so hey, much I of that it's been so long since I did my human story, and hilarious. I my my main main character is Silvari, so I have kind of forgotten a whole bunch of these details. So I that's sort of what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, being curious to hear about the payoffs that you're seeing because for me, like so much of it flew over my head, and I knew I was clearly supposed to remember who these people were, and I completely did not. Yeah, Maybe I I'm think just... that's no, no, no. I think that's definitely um, uh, it's going to go over a lot of people's heads, and not necessarily because they they were paying attention or anything, just because it's been such a long time since they referenced these story threads or like people have thought about them. I mean, literally four years, right? right. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so it was really cool for those of us who notice it, and I'm so glad they did it. But it's, yeah, I'm I'm bummed for the people who uh, are going to not make those connections and not be like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, because I, I, it does make the payoffs that you get from the story. Uh, the questions that you've had, like, and questions that I've, or questions that I've had, it's just, it's really nice to get those, to get those story things uh, and to sort of see, okay, they they remember their, their story from when Guild Wars 2 first came out and they remember those personal stories and they're now beginning to sort of tie them off, which I appreciate feel a little bit bad for maybe some of the non-human character and uh, players because maybe some yeah well it's been all silvari all the time since for quite a while so i'm I'm so i'm over silvari first of all i'm sorry guys but uh also humans i'm getting there because all of guild wars one was about them too so i'm like yeah char norn uh what's that other race asura (laughs) x-pack 
Yeah, we can I, ignore I have We can Azura. ignore the Azura. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I don't. I love the Azura. I'm kind of terrified for what will happen when they're finally like, hey guys, Azura focus story. I'm like, oh, how about we just keep Taimi? Because she's not going to try and destroy the world the same way the Mursat might be inclined she's to. She's just going to accidentally destroy the world. Well, yeah, that's a valid point. But hey, at least she'll name whatever device she's building that's that's horrible and destructive something entertaining much like how she named the hunk of uh mordramoth what'd she name it steve spencer spencer are you that's implying right. that warmaster efet's boo-boo weezomatic is not entertainingly named yeah i mean no that that would be but i'm i'm concerned that maybe just, yeah no nah, mm-hmm. nah. i've derailed us i apologize um there was one more thing i was going to ask about the instance that we were supposed to be talking about and that is is this the part where logan appears and tells you what he's doing as he moves forward yeah yeah it's after 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 demi is introduced and everyone shows up and everyone talks logan's is like you know what i've been hanging out here for too long Uh, i've just been causing my queen problems because apparently i'm into her but she's not into me because she's an illusion created by a niece but i can't tell you that cough that's why she's always barefoot. I like how they like poke those stories, those theories throughout. Like Timey is like, "Have you noticed she's always barefoot? So crazy." Uh, I, I like. That oh, they I I wanted to say that uh, the queen came off as extremely unpersonable to me in every instance that she was in. Like she seemed kind of like really rude. I really, she did not endear herself to me in the way that she sort of talked down at you. I don't know I if think... you guys got that vibe. I think that, yeah, no, there was a certain element of her being a very, she is a leader, an absolute leader on the edge. And there is, there's going to be fallout from the choices she's making right now. And I think she's, she's very powerful and she can pretty much do whatever she wants now. Which does moderately. Yeah. Well, it's just like about I love it when they're just taking. Like, well, her you know, character. being a queen is really complicated compared to hitting people. In the- <laughs> Sorry, uh, swear word, I guess. But I was just like, I, I was really yeah, surprised like, when oh, she said it that way. I was what's like, that wow, about? Packed commander, super intense. Like packed marshal who you know killed two elder dragons. Yeah, my life's real simple. Like Jesus. All right. Uh, I didn't. I didn't interpret it. I guess I just interpreted it as uh, her sort of wishing that uh, she could do. Well, no, I guess the delivery the of the thing. line was super yeah, snotty. Yeah, I guess. I guess uh, I interpreted it more. I, what I took away, I guess, was her being jealous of our lifestyle as opposed to hers, which was complicated but boring. Where ours was smashy but adventurous. She wants to be a murderer. Yeah, but like, then as soon as let's, the fighting breaks out, she's out just there. like, you, smash. She's just like giving the Hulk smash line, and I'm like, mm, that's, you know. Okay. There's, yeah, there's right, definitely lady. some, I mean, she's dissolved the ministry for the most part. She's established martial law. Uh, she has established that she could just straight up kill people um, with her power, and while at the same time blocking doing a feedback bubble that's blocking basically ley line propelled projectiles. I was getting some strong searing palace. flashbacks. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and she just like stops it. It's like if the searing was happening and she was just like, nope. Yeah, I don't I don't wanna fuel any any theories about Queen Jenna because there don't need to be any more, but 
I think it would be safe to assume that she has also gotten stronger since uh, the the magic has begun to flip flop around the world wildly. Like that's pretty well established, right? That all the pretty much all magic users are just getting stronger now. And with the ley lines and everything, and she also, I mean, her throne is like a massive magic rock that we don't know much about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. I because we know that she's super strong from the books, right? Mm-hmm. She was able to create uh, an illusion that was powerful enough to fool an elder dragon, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So, like, that's that's pretty good already. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, she's yeah. It'll be yeah. interesting to see what they do with her. But yeah, so Logan leaves, and he's he's now Pact Marshal. I so I am intrigued to see what he will do as Pact Marshal. Um, whether he'll take the path, uh, not down a different path. I think uh, he will. I, like, I don't think they're going to change what the pact does, right? I think it's still going to be a unified force that goes after Elder Dragon. But I'm curious what sort of the new dynamic will be with the pact with a us not working for them, uh, b Logan at the helm, uh, with a very different uh set of you know, experiences and goals and uh, leadership style than Traherne. And then also, also... Uh, oh god, I'm totally blanking on her name, the really cool Charlie that's the head of the vigil sort of directing things I'm also. i soul keeper. Yeah, I, I would suspect that she is not just going to um, pass things along to logan and not because of like any human char racial tendencies it just seems like she is the one who has stepped in in the absence of anyone like the the marshal died the commander just sort of mm, i'm leaving now Peace and yeah, we, someone we, had to fill we that power vacuum i don't think she's going to uh step to the side i think uh logan is going to end up being somewhat of a puppet at least at just the start. like always and whether he no, uh, I don't think always, but I think it'll be... Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm really fascinated by the potential power dynamics within the pact. There's also an interesting fact that, or at least information that we're picking up. I, where did I read it? There, It was either one of the notes or something that someone said in this in this living story that tensions are rising between members, between the different pact groups, the three different... Uh, member groups mm-hmm. so there's there's apparently with Traherne gone with you gone like you were saying not only is they're they getting a new pact marshal which who decided that was that just jenna who's like hey you're pact marshal now who no uh it was war master oh, why am i forgetting her name she's so cool i love her character uh there was the leader of the vigil and she came to uh sort of invite us in Rada Novus to be to be Marshall. It's gonna drive me nuts now. I love that character so much and I can't think of her name. Almora? Yeah. Almora Soulkeeper? Yeah, yeah, is it just general? We'll just, yeah. So Almora shows up. Okay. I didn't remember who exactly offered him the job. So I remember that, her offering it to yeah, us. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Then, yeah. But oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't remember. I didn't realize that you're that's what you're asking. No. Um Yeah. Uh, it is implied that at some point she approached him uh, after she had approached us and offered him the job, and then it's it's him telling you that he's taking it, not that uh, 
Not that he's being offered it right there on the spot. Okay, we didn't we didn't see it, and then him yeah. being like, "Yeah, that sounds awesome." Okay, look. So clearly, he is tired of putting up with uh, Jenna's giving him lip service and not, you know, establishing a relationship that he so clearly desires. But maybe it's because she finally ran out her ability to use domination magic on him when she was maintaining this force field. So she's finally let her mesmeric grip go. Yeah, for the... So I was sitting there talking with Festy. We calculated he's been pining after her without any... Within, without, without anything like reciprocation for 11 plus years. 11 years! He's been he's been in this like puppy love state, and it's just like oh. At which point I then went and said, told someone, "Hey, go find Vereen, please, so that she knows Naveen. that Logan's available." They're Naveen, different there we people. Go. No, different people. I think they both like Logan. Maybe I don't, I don't think. Vereen no, wait. Likes Logan. No, Vereen doesn't like <laughs> Logan. That's right, Naveen. Um, I this actually brings up a good segue though because I did want to talk about how this is actually a perfect segue. I I both appreciate but also it's starting to show some of its holes or flaws that they sort of try and keep the chronology lined up between real world time and time that has passed in game because so this logan thing is a perfect example like 11 years that is actually ridiculous and clearly these characters haven't aged 11 years but uh some of the things in the manor mission uh, to bring things back are it's like this happened four years ago (laughs) like you know i i loved i loved some of the things like the call outs where she goes oh this uh this hole in this wall she's like here let me show you a way in and then we come in i'm like hey i've been here and then your character's like yeah actually i've been here i'm like why did you need to show me then but you've already been here and then you know demi goes oh yeah, there didn't used to be all these exploded walls last time I was here. And you're like, yeah, that was yeah, my fault. And like, your character even sort of makes a joke like, I can't believe they haven't repaired it yet. Like, yeah, I mean, it's on the one hand, it's it's funny and fun to call out some of those things. But then if you actually think about the scale of time that should have passed in between them, it's like, yeah, that, mm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh a few of those things sort of stuck out to me is yeah i I don't really have a complaint about it it's more just that like if they're gonna try and tie up these loose ends stories from launch uh but also try and claim that it's actually been four years since they happened that's uh getting to be a little bit a little bit hard to believe on some of these fronts i guess i think going forward we'll probably hope we'll probably see situations wherein that if they're lampshading it currently hopefully that means that going forward, they'll begin like building store that can actually advance more reasonably via time. Sure. That also means that Queen Jenna is probably going to have this bubble up for you know <laughs> months. Well, and Lake Doric for the rest of the for the rest of its <laughs> yeah. existence as a map, probably because the the White Mantle will always be at the doors of Divinity's region, Lake Doric. So, what'd you guys think of that final instance? There was a lot of traipsing through, a lot of fighting. There were some interesting uh, interactions that you could do, like engineer interact with turrets. Did you guys notice any other uh, class-specific interactions? Yeah. Um, there's one for pretty much every class. As a ranger, I was able to... T- there was a um, sort of a beast master, and he sent his dogs after me. Well, I, I, they ran up to me, and I scratched them under the chin and went, good dog, and then they went back and attacked him. 
That's amazing. Yeah, so I got to do that. I think as a, I replayed it as a guardian for achievements, I think, and I was able to um, kick some fire out of the fireplace and make a magical fire to, to damage Codicus. Um, we, we never found the warrior one because Christian had gone with me on a warrior. I'm not sure what that was. We think it might have been kicking down the door, but I accidentally talked to Demi and she lockpicked it before we had a chance to like figure out how to get in. I totally have Necro 1, which is to say I actually don't, but my headcanon is, which is that my Flesh Golem was extremely excited to point out the explosive crates to the point where there was no enemies near them and I wasn't telling him to attack them, and he would just, like, run back to me, and then on his way he'd just be like, BONK! and just, like, blow himself up. I was like, man, you're dumb. But it just, like, cracked me, because he did it, like, four times. So, like, that's my headcanon that that's the Necro one, is that, like, you get to discover all the exploding crates with your extremely excited bone minion. And, like, every time he did it, it got funnier. It's just like... <laughs> the, um, the actual Necro one is in the torture chamber, where uh, you fight a Necromancer himself. He summons a bunch of Skellymans, and you can uh, overtake his Skellymans and turn them back on Oh, him. I never even noticed that. A lot of people killed them way too fast. A lot of people hit Epidemic immediately and then didn't, like, never fought them. Yeah, yeah. You Reaper form, spin in with two, rock, uh, Necrocopter in, and then five, and then four, and you're good to go. Maybe hit a three in there so that no one knocks you down. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. since it's instant yeah. cast, you just do that, then, like, then, right yeah, away. Everything dies. That's, that's, yeah. that's how you play a Necro. Necros are now what Guardians were at Guild Wars at launch you know you just throw your keyboard down some stairs and yeah so i'm really glad that uh that i know a few guardians that invested in a stairmaster in tucson so i just go over to their house and throw my throw my keyboard down the stairmaster bringing it back oh man anyway so yeah this instance reminded me strongly of how much i hate fighting in guild wars in small enclosed spaces with camera problems and not being able to see circles and things like that not gonna lie um but i was surprised at how long it was it was a really long instance i thought it was good like i obviously i don't want these every time but i think uh maybe not last episode but the one before i had said something about you know i really got the itch for just a long epic claw island yeah. style mission and this uh this was perfect it was bang on what i wanted so it was nice to see. What about the uh, what about the end there? That last bit. I mean, first of all, they killed Demi. Which that... yeah, look at oh. all of the care that I don't have. Yeah, I would. That was I like. I was originally going to talk about Demi. Uh, you know, when we got to this point, because I think that moment was lost on a lot of people, which is a huge oh, shame. It was so sad. It was, I was so like, sad. Oh. The sad part was every time she mentioned friggin' uh oh god now I can't remember his name Tybalt like Tybalt makes everyone sad always but she but Demi was the one that survived that made it out Tybalt like you're the three that like started together you you joined the the whispers together if you're an order whispers person then and then Tybalt dies and you're like well you oh, didn't join Tybalt. with Tybalt he was, he was like mentor. he was like a super well, it was his new. first field job but it wasn't, yeah. wasn't the whole point that he was <laughs> so, like, like uh not a field agent in the whispers like he'd been there for a while though 
Yeah, they were seeing if he could handle himself in the field, and then and and then and then you pick up Demi, and then she joins the Order of Whispers, and you're like, yeah, the three of us, we're the newbies. Let's do this. And now they're all dead, and you're the only one left. Someone uh, was saying that revenants don't have a specific profession mechanic in that instance, and that it would have been really cool as if te- as Demi is dying. Uh, Revenants would see Tybalt sort of like kneeling over her, and my heart just would and died. Oh, that would be that'd be horrible. I don't, I don't feel many things. I don't feel many feelings in my feelers for characters during the living story these days. But this one got me. I only feel various forms of anger most of the time at certain Norn. Uh, so yeah, that final instance, though, or the final part of the instance with the creepy spinning face room. Which has been in game since launch, which is just a fabulous actual, like, payoff for all the people who, like, sort of knew that it exists. And that's a valid point. I'm gonna look up answers to the riddles right now, see if I can figure it out. Uh, I did want to say, though, I was actually surprised with how much post-mission content there was in this one. I was kind of bummed that they didn't uh, give us an option to come back with how much stuff was there. Like you, uh, if you wanted to sit, like explore the mansion and find all the letters and things, um, you had to do it before you left. Otherwise, you'd have to do the whole mission again. So I was, I was kind of surprised that they didn't give us like a. If you replayed it in story mode, you could, or uh, not story mode, uh, when you revisit it and it gives you those purple instances where you can go for achievements, I was surprised they didn't give an extra option for at the end of that instance to go in and explore that place. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot, there was a lot to do there. It was kind of, kind of crazy. I remember because we were looking at the letters and the, how many you had left and it was like, okay, we both have nine. So there's gotta be what, like 10, 11, 23 uh okay did it hmm yeah there was also uh did you encounter lady wisteria whiskington uh is that the one that you feed the bloodstone garbage to yes yeah eric you have to tell that story since i assume that's what you're laughing about oh so yeah so i wandered through this through this i have not completed raid wing 2 uh for the raids uh, but I have been in it in it a year ago, and so as I'm wandering through this this dungeon, I eventually I walk up to this creepy cat, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, cat!" I click on it, and it's like, "Hey, you have this thing that the cat wants in your inventory." I'm like, "Oh, here, here did you go?" And it's like, "Bloodstone bisque has been removed from your inventory." I'm like, "Oh, I wonder when I got that." And uh, then I then I mentioned it to Spirit, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, that was from the time that you went into the raid." a year ago and you just had it in your character's inventory for a year and i was like it paid off hey hey eric me too yeah internet high five i can't believe you guys like i get not cleaning your inventory for a while but for a year well it's it's not a full year okay raid wing 2 was it was 11 months it came out in march is that true yeah so the thing is for me is that I am not playing nearly as heavily as I once was. And so basically in my play sessions, it's I have enough inventory to just basically salvage all and deposit all like every once in a while and then it's fine. And so I just like haven't bothered going. And then I have like so many, so many things that I 
do think that I'll need or use later. And I, the Bloodstone Bisque was not one of them, but it just like sort of got camouflaged in the mass of random crap in my inventory. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's really not in my defense at all. But, but I had it, and that was great. And hey, <laughs> now I'm getting dead birds in my homing, home instance because I hadn't collected any of the other cats, and I just happened to be like, oh, there's now this horrifying bloodstone-crazed cat living in my house area. You would. If there was any cat you would tame, it would be that one. <laughs> oh, is that what happens? Like, do I now have that cat in my home instance? Yeah, yes. yeah she lives oh, in Oh, that's home great. Instance. I don't yeah. have any well, of the cats Now either. you have one well, of them. Have... Of the, yeah. what, 12? Oh, way more than two. There's so many cats in Oh. By the way, did you recognize the like the cat as a character? Isn't it the one that took the fanciest feline competition? Oh, snap! <gasps> yeah. Oh my goodness. If I ever see, start I know, see... the the game again. That's Oh, wait. That's the one that Cha- that Chauncey von Snuffle, not Chauncey, that uh that what's his face is in love with? Uh uh Rasmus oh, that's horrifying. I just want to call out also oh, the fact that I knew that random tidbit of lore. But not, not um, was. Yeah, exactly. You know what's uh, important. You keep ca- you keep track of the uh, of the and especially because the fanciest cat competition hasn't actually happened in game. The only re- reason we know about it is from like data mined audio files and tool tips. Like that's all we know about. Well, it. and Chauncey is listed as the runner up in his description for his mini pet. Yeah, but that's like tooltips, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, yeah. the flavor text. Yeah. Well, that's the Dark yeah, Souls player yeah. in me. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So that means, so we can now, we have a way of figuring out who some of the uh, White Mantle are, aside from the ones that have already turned. If there's still a few, we just need to look at who voted for Whiskeria in four years ago in a fancy cat, com- fancy cat competition. I mean, what if she's just let herself go? Like who knows what she looked like back then? I feel like she really has. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, she's a pretty, she's a pretty attractive cat now from like a Rasmataz perspective. I think he's still in love with her. Uh, was there anything like not to stop you? Was there anything you guys wanted to talk about in the exploration phase? Because I feel like we really need to talk about the lore bomb that uh, ended the instance. Yeah, what in the world is up with Logan being on Codicus's wall? Like, that's that's a huge lore bomb. Oh, that is way less funny than the Mesmer. Oh, <laughs> that's so true. Oh, when I walked into that room, I was just like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, in case anybody missed it, there's a few people, I think, that, that just, like, went in all guns blasting and didn't and just sort of didn't catch it because they murdered everything too fast, but... You go into one of the rooms and there's a white mantle mesmer that has conjured an image of Farron in his speedo mankini and and then shatters it after she's watching it like dance or whatever, which is just about the funniest. Um, oh, there was some dark stuff going on in that in that. Like, so there was that there was also the guy that had the two village ladies like in the room with him that they were cowering and he was cowering. And, like, as soon as you fought him, you were like, go run away. And the two ladies just book out. Like, he had holed up with, one, like, some I, ladies that he had captured. Was and it was like, ooh, that's hostile guys minister are not nice. who was cowering the whole time. And I sort of, I didn't realize it until I had killed him. And Christian was like, well, that was, he was just cowering. You just murdered him. 
Yeah, I just straight up went in and killed him there's too. Also, but uh, there is a. He did uh, not cat kill the cowering villagers. If you will. That's my uh, portmanteau for the cat statue in Lost Precipice. But there was also a cat you in. Um, actually, it was more of a taxidermized animal in Codicus's Manor that has a way better model than my Melandru stalker that I have on my ranger. And I'm super jealous and mad. <laughs> like, when do I get that as a pet? Did you? Uh, I have not you, bought uh, pick all that of those decorations when, no, because uh, afterwards? Uh, to buy all of them, it would cost me seven hundred gold, and I've already put two hundred gold into them. But uh, I will let other people handle the rest. <laughs> all right, I'll see what I can. Um, essentially, so, we go into room and we pick some of spirit? his stuff and learn that while Zira was attempting to resurrect him at the stronghold of the faithful, which is a third grade instance. There were five sort of relics or aspects of Lazarus that needed to be present at the ceremony for him to resurrect. So at some point, Codicus had replaced one of them with a fake, and the real one was in Codicus's manner. So the question is sort of out there, if... Lazarus didn't have all of these aspects at the time that he was resurrected. Either he's not whole and he's weaker than he's presenting himself to be, or it failed and whoever is masquerading as Lazarus is not Lazarus. So I established my my theory last week, although I would like to add in that I think that E is involved in it somehow. I don't know how, but I bet he is. I think that I think Majorie, Casimir, and E are running. But I think it is also important to uh, bring up E because this is the first time we have heard anything about uh, E since the Ving story two, or was it one? one. Even? It was back I don't in think Lion's he appeared Arch, in two at all. No, he cropped Did up. Did he tip I us off to go to Dry Top, bit, and that was the start of? <sighs> Season one, and then I don't know. we or that season right. two, and we hadn't heard anything from. Yeah, since. I think he did. Yeah, Enough. it's been a long time, and uh, yeah. they're bringing that story thread back just in case they weren't juggling enough of them. By the way, the double white mantle, Jormag, Primordis storylines. Just so you know, E also is out there, and also the Pact storyline. This is yeah. becoming quite a complicated season. <laughs> Although it feels like, uh, I have to say, it feels like we reached a turning point. Um, people were asking me, uh, we, were, we were talking about the expansion, people were asking when when I thought the next expansion was going to come out, and I said, I don't know, but it feels like we're about halfway through. I, I feel like we're at a halfway point. I feel like we reached the, like, we resolved one conflict, like, just, just in pure, like, writing terms, like, I've read a book, I know how books work terms i feel like we've reached the halfway point where it's like we, we've resolved one conflict and there's a new plot thread and everything's gonna come to a climax in a couple episodes and then we're gonna resolve it so i think i was saying like eight to ten months for an expansion to drop because that's how long that gives us like four more episodes of story and then two months after the last episode of story is when the expansion drops but total speculation just something that came up that i thought people might be interested in yeah, I I don't really know I don't really know what to say like about about the reveal. It's it's interesting for sure. I, I it's hard for me to speculate about that type of thing, I guess, because it already felt kind of 
well, I'm not gonna say out of nowhere, but it it was kind of a sudden sudden thing to happen in the first place, and then you know you were just sort of like, yeah, okay, I guess we're buddies. <laughs> like that that I already had some sort of issues with that storyline as it was going with Lazarus, and so uh, yeah, and and like you said, they've been juggling so many so many story threads all at once, and yeah, I, I don't know, it's. It's sure something. It's it's kind of jarring, I think. I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, simply because we do have, from Guild Wars 1, we have seen a shard of Lazarus or a part of Lazarus show up before, like when he assaulted Lion's Arch back in the day. Uh, so we do know that he can be pretty powerful, but he just can't use Spectral Agony. Uh, and I don't know if he's used Spectral Agony yet. And the fact that, oh, that's a big thing, our characters can now use Spectral Agony. Yeah. Like, that's a thing that can be done. We now have a fifth down skill, which is Spectral Agony, that can be used anywhere. Yeah, that's weird. Also, it's hilarious on Necromancers, because if you don't use it, it has passive regen, and <clears throat> that stacks with our life siphon. Oh, so it's actually got a passive. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I thought you had to use it to trigger the passive. Uh, no, I, I believe you have life gain while you don't use It's like a signet. I believe. Okay, I should have actually read this skill. Yeah, so Necros become, like, even more immortal in the downstate, so to speak, because you get double double stacking lifesteal. No, it's just your, yeah, it's your attack steal health. It is, you're, I, you're totally right, it is a signet. I just had never really looked at it. No, I'm assuming this is not available in PvP. No, it's not, it's not available everywhere. Um, I think it, I'm blanking right now if it's available in raids or not, but I think it is not. Um, I, there are definitely some noticeable areas where you, you do not have access to this skill. Yeah, I, I was meaning to uh, bring that up earlier, but I could not. Yeah, I sort of just got distracted, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I did too. I, it was a bizarre mastery for me. Uh, it didn't... It would be a lot more... I don't know. It would have made more sense if we learned it from Lazarus. <laughs> uh, I mean, although maybe not if he, you know, is an imposter. But yeah. I think it's Casimir because Major was like, I'm gonna go hang out with him. And everyone's been like, where's Casimir? We don't know where Casimir is. We haven't seen Casimir. And, and Major was super insistent on going with, uh, with what's his name instead of going back, uh, with Lazarus instead of going back with Casimir. So I think he's, well, it's possible. I think that they're just having a grand old time in the Eye of Janther going, oh, 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 those people, they don't know that we, have now taken over the Mursat. They're actually evil. I mean, don't understand. maybe they're having a lover's like, quarrel. I don't understand what their motivation would be, not to humor your ridiculous well, theory. Well, I think that they're working for the... Well, I think... It, that's, like, that's not a reason. I think it might be a job that E's running, having them run. Like, the fact that they can't trust the White Mantle, they don't necessarily... E doesn't know you like he knows... No one trusts because the White Mantle. Because Mesmer's are They're literally the worst evil people. Well, E doesn't know if your character has White Mantle sympathies or not. Like, you've been killing dragons and stuff and doing his, his bidding, but you haven't really been, like, mass-murdering White I'm a Norn, I don't give a hoot. Yeah, that's a valid point. I don't know. I don't know why they would be doing it, but I feel like that's probably what's happening. Okay, well, I... For once, I just, I need the tinfoil for myself to protect myself because I don't understand. I don't follow your theory at all. It would it would just be one of those like, but they were a bad guy all along. Is there also like an evil mustache being twirled? Oh, yeah. They just use their mesmer illusions to hide it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, you've got a Mass Effect two like elusive man Cerberus thing here. Like, yeah, we're we're totally buddies for right now, but also I'm part of this human supremacist terrorist organization that happens to also not like dragons that are killing all of us. Speaking of killing dragons, we rebuilt something this week. They just released it in the exp- in the in the latest patch. We got to rebuild a thing that killed the dragon. Sort of, it helped twice. Yeah, the new current event. Yeah. Did, who wants to what lead off do? on that one? Go for it, Grybok. You got oh, this. Oh man. Well, I just did it. You haven't led into anything this week. That's true. It's just actually a clever tactic, so that I don't have to talk. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. So we are finally getting to reforge Kaladbog, which I actually think is kind of. Um, how should I say this? It's interesting in that I remember we talked a couple episodes ago when we had the monument to air, and I don't remember who mentioned it, but it was sort of like, well, what about what about Traherne? He died too. We had a fantastic letter from Solstice, and we had a discussion about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the answer is just sort of, uh, you know, it takes time, but at least they they went there, so to speak, and we get to build a memorial for Traherne and reforge Kaladbog. I will say that uh, I am one of those pack rats that definitely still kept it in their inventory. I know that there's a sharp divide between people that have trashed it immediately and uh, who kept it. So, I feel bad. I trashed it on Shongaku, and I had one on my Silvari, and I had forgotten I kept... Actually, I have it on, like, four other characters, but my main, I had thrown it away, and I was just like... Well, so for me, I was actually, this was, of course, pre-cancellation uh, of future legendaries. I had sort of assumed or thought that Kaladbog Reforged would be a legendary journey. Um, so that's why I kept it as just like a, as a component, right? And I figured that they would give you some way to get it if you didn't, if you threw it away, because like, <laughs> that would be awful if they didn't. But... It was kind of an expensive to get it on Shongaku. It was like two gold to get. It was two and a half gold. That's not. That was, that's not that expensive. You know, you know their account bound, and you could have taken it off any other character, right? Yeah, I realized that afterwards. I just thought I had deleted all of them because I had the skin. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we get to do that, and it's in the form of a mini quest line that contains several instances, which is actually pretty cool. Um, it starts with a mail, a letter from a Silvari that's helping you sort of, uh, build the memorial and, and do it at the same time. And you go around and visit a bunch of places and, um, you find shards of the blade and you visit moats, uh, you, you, yeah, I guess they're moats, right? Where they're basically all thematically in sort of hidden gardens or little places of, of sort of scenic beauty that are sort of surrounded by things that are less so or just or just hidden in general so there's one in that gorgeous little area in the grove that you know has been there forever and is super pretty and it's hidden sort of through an underwater tunnel um which was used i think that was used in a legendary journey i think i used it when i was building the getting the first part of uh of uh the scepter yeah you might use it in astralaria too i'm not sure though um Anyway, yeah, and or the the hidden garden that has oh I don't remember if there's actually anything there. The one in the char starter area with the strawberries. Yeah, there's the one in the strawberries. Uh, I was kind of surprised that the hidden garden jumping puzzle didn't have the, any the new one. No, the old the the 
one where you have to go through a portal in Mount Maelstrom. Oh, that would be in there. I was like, that was like the one garden that I kept like reading all of these things. I'm like, I think it means this. Like I spent a while in Mount Maelstrom and actually there was one person who was at the top of the, of the jumping pole there of the hidden garden. I was like, guys, like I can't find the boat. I had just finished it and I was collecting some, some materials. And so I helped that person out mm-hmm. with it. And I was, but yeah, it was. Yeah. Anyway, so you go through these instances and you have to attune yourself to the blade as it's being reforged. So you, um, you first sort of you go into these instances where you sort of meet the spirits of these dead Silvari that wielded it previously. So it was Rianok, is that how you pronounce it? Um whose whose grave is in Kessex, I believe, right? Yeah, Kessex Hill next to the Silvari town there, which is where he uh was killed by if you remember from the Silvari personal story, uh that's where you went and did essentially the exact same thing uh when you were tracking down the the sword back back in the day yeah so you go there and you sort of you sort of fight them twice which is sort of weird i guess but you like you like fight them and then they sort of awaken and you have a conversation with them and you sort of explain what you're doing and then you you fight them as themselves i guess <laughs> it's it's a little weird but anyway you you go and you fight them and once you so you do that and then you also fight uh Traherne, uh himself and it was kind of funny because you talk to him right and he he goes uh, like uh, wh- where are we what are we, <laughs> what are we doing here you go yeah actually um you died and he's like oh uh did we kill Mordrath oh well then it's then it's good yeah how how are things yeah how are things yeah and you're like well, yeah, we killed Mordremoth, and, you know, you sacrificed yourself to end it. And he's like, oh, awesome. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. And you're just like, you seem pretty okay with this. He's like, well, I mean, I guess. I Whatever. Mean, Mordremoth was a... Well, he was, I think, you know, I mean, he had, in life, and when he was wielding Caliblog, he had felt the effects mm-hmm. of Mordremoth. So I think him knowing that Mordremoth was dead, his people were free, was was sort of a big unknown for him at the end right yeah he he felt at peace with where he had ended up yeah for sure um anyway so yeah and then you end up at the place where he purified ore at the end of the story and uh and then you basically can pick which form it takes between five different weapons so there's a sword version a great sword version a um scepter a shield and a dagger and then once you do that, uh, it's an ascended weapon, which is great. This is really how I wish ascended weapons were a lot more like just in general. I obviously, anybody who listens to this podcast knows my feelings about ascended weapons in general. This was a really nice way to get one. Uh, and it was nice and thematic and it's a choose your stats kind. So there's really no downside and it costs you literally nothing to do it the first time. Well, I guess you need a vision crystal if you don't have one. Um, and then it opens up a collection to be able to basically make all of the weapons and you, um, once you complete all of them, then you get sort of an even shinier, almost legendary looking version of Khaled Bog that's, you know, the greatsword version, but is super shiny. So yeah, but with subsequent ones, you have to craft some of the pieces that you got from doing the achievements 
actually, uh, so some new information has come out basically since we started recording the show. Oh. Um, you can opt to craft uh, the other ones, which you would get as an ascended weapon and also get to choose the stats on them and the skin. Or if you just want the skins, you can take them. Uh, I will link the thread in the show notes so that you can reference this, but you can take them to an NPC who will trade the ascended weapon that you chose um, with uh, 1k unbound magic, and you can essentially just turn in your weapons over and over if you don't need ascended weapons or if you just want the skins for whatever reason. Um, you can do that for a lot cheaper. So you can do that and still get the like super super skin if you got all the other skins? Correct. You would unlock all the skins for doing that, but you would only get one ascended weapon out of the whole collection if you decided to... Uh, just unlock the skins. But would you still be able to make them in the future? Or is that like completely close to you once you have all the skins? Uh, I don't know. I believe... Well, it's a character-based thing, so I think each character that completes Heart of Thorns, gets Broken Calid Blog, will have the opportunity to complete it. So I think you can still do the mission. We would have to experiment with that, I suppose. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, that is an avenue that is open for you if you don't want to spend lots of gold. And people are already mad about the Maguma Lily. <laughs> yeah, that said, it is still cheaper than most ascended weapons. Like, if you need a specific ascended yeah. weapon on your character and you don't have one yet, and you're like, oh, you know what, I could use an ascended sword. Definitely not the worst way to go about it getting yeah. these, these things. It's, it's not totally cheap because the Spiritwood Scion requires five planks and two Delchmore ingots and 30 Fulgrite, so that's like a decent amount for the one-handed They're weapons. Still pretty or, expensive. I, I don't remember yeah. exactly how much goes into the one-handed weapons, to be honest, anymore, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, still pretty expensive. Uh, that's actually great news, though, because I didn't super want to pay all that money out but i really like the skin collection so they're pretty neat they're gonna like if you've got any sort of like if you want i mean like this is pretty much like except for the dagger all of these things are something that if you want to go with like plant-based guardian look is just fantastic well they work great on my necromancer because i can use great sword and scepter and well i guess yeah but scepter dagger and then you wouldn't be using that at the same time as the greatsword, but my scepter dagger actually have kind of boring skins. They just have the regular ascended skins because I never really found ones that super appealed to me. So I'm probably going to eventually get those. I'm very excited about this. I just, I really yeah, enjoyed cool. the, the whole like mini quest thing. It was, it was a lot of fun. It, I'm sort of like, I'm happy it's out and the way it is now, like I wouldn't ask for it any other way. Um, I'm sort of, I think it would be way cooler, like, if you're coming through Heart of Thorns now, and to have this be available to you at the end and have a capstone on it right away. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been really cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, when whenever the next expansion comes out or whatever, and people are coming back to the game and playing it again, they'll have that, that opportunity, and I'm happy for them. And I'm happy for us, too, like... Yeah, it could have I'm, been cooler, but it's great the way it is. So, I, I guess. I'm, yeah, I, I think it's a nice part of that whole progression that we're seeing with Heart of Thorns and Living World is sort of seeing how how they're figuring stuff out. They're figuring out ways of doing things that are interesting. Like this is a lot like the old uh, get a best in slot weapon at the end of a Guild Wars one campaign, and now you can do that with uh mm. with some with some and they're thematic and they're tied to yeah. like the story 
and I love I that. I wonder. I wonder, because uh, I really missed it a lot, the the epilogue, right? Like, in every Gilverse campaign up till now, including the, the core story, there was an epilogue instance where you sort of got to go in and everyone was standing around and would, would talk to you about what happened and the credits would roll or whatever. And I really missed that for Heart of Thorns. It just didn't, it didn't feel the same. I wonder if it'll come, like, if they... Maybe they don't say it in as many words, but uh, for them, the end of Heart of Thorns is uh, the end of Living Story Season 3, and so maybe we'll get that instance yeah. then. That would be cool. But I missed it. I did really a lot. I mean, they did sort of have it, where you got the Broken Khaled blog, and there were the people staying around, and you could talk to them, and they were like, we'll see you on the other side, or we'll see you later, Commander. Yeah. It, but it just wasn't the same. Like, uh, I guess it it was a scale thing, right? Like, it was a very small scale. Like, this is your band of adventurers um, that was here, but you didn't get to, like, walk up the, you know, up the palace with all of the, um, you know, the Imperial Guards saluting you and uh, phoenixes flying around. I'm very fond of factions, in case anyone uh, doubted. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I am really happy with the the Kalidbog journey thing. I think that was a really good, a really good thing to put in. I, yeah, really happy with that. I think we're all pretty happy with it already. Well, I guess without further ado, that's pretty much gonna wrap things up. So thank you for listening, and we will be back probably next week, if not in two weeks. So, uh, yep, yep, yeah, for sure. Oh boy, yeah. We'll see if uh, Lilies are back down to a reasonable rate again, and. Uh, That'll that'll be that. So thanks for listening. Oh wait, I have to turn it off. It's me. It was me, Barry. <laughs>